0: Do 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 da 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 front, and, front center. and center with Sean and, and Julza Welcome to Sin Nation. You're listening to Sean and Julza on front and center. Welcome, Julian to week three.
1: Here we go. Good times. Always a fun time up in Sin Nation, front and centre.
0: Up in front of the centre land. Look, uh, this is a show where we put young people's achievements right into the spotlight. We put young people's achievements front and centre, Jules.
1: Oh, that's a great tagline. I think you came up with that one yourself, didn't you, Sean?
0: I'm claiming bragging rights (laughs) for the fantastic name of our show. Coming up for you guys later on in the show, we have an interview with Nick Pierce. He is one of the co-founders of Homie. A social enterprise hoping to eliminate people who are experiencing homelessness. Uh, it's a clothing brand, and we are really looking forward to having this chat.
1: This is a pretty—I'm pretty excited pretty for that show. That this chat is going to be great. Um, but before that, we've got our normal, super interesting news <laughs> that we collect for you guys. Pretty, pretty crazy stuff, eh, Sean?
0: Yeah, we've spent a lot of time <laughs> curating the news sources over the past.
1: Three hours. I was going to say, <laughs> by a long time, we mean the three hours
0: before the show. <laughs> but we've found some fantastic news that we think hasn't got enough attention. There's uh, some crazy stuff. There's some crazy stuff. So stick around for that.
1: Sean, ask me how my, how my week was. How was your week, Jules? It was pretty good because it was my birthday oh,
0: yesterday. Happy birthday, Jules. Oh, how we a, old? We've got a front and center birthday over here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 21, Sean. Sure. The ripe old age of 21.
0: Congratulations, Jules. Oh, happy thanks birthday. Thanks so much. It was uh, great. And what better way to celebrate your birthday than with a new episode of Front and a Center?
1: Well my birthday was yesterday. So I didn't this is my birthday.
0: It's your birthday <laughs> week, Jules. And oh we're gonna yeah. be celebrating oh all yeah. week.
1: <laughs> all week. Gotta say, guys, I went down to Warburton Redwood Forest uh, for my birthday. Quite a great trip down here in Victoria. Definitely recommend it.
0: Out to the country? I mean that's pretty far away.
1: Only an hour from the eastern suburbs where I live, so it's not too bad. That's About an hour and a
0: half from Melbourne City, I think. That is proper country. Look, uh, coming up in about 10 minutes, we're having a chat to Nick Pearce, one of the co-founders of Homey. We're going to be putting him front and centre. But before that, Jules, yes, we have found some news that we think the regular young Aussie person probably doesn't know about.
1: Because I didn't know about this until, like I said before, I read it three hours ago. <laughs> 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 All right, Sean, you're leading the first story. Do you want to give us a bit of a, a, bit of a taste about what we're hearing?
0: So I Well, not give us a
1: taste, just tell us what we're hearing.
0: I, <laughs> I started reading a new book this morning on the okay. train, jewels. and it's by Bill...
1: <laughs> this story's crazy, guys. It's ridiculous.
0: It's by Bill Bryson, a uh, famous American uh, writer who has lived in Britain for a long time. Oh, you've read a couple of his books, haven't yeah, you? I, yeah, I yeah. do read his books, but this one is uh, called Down Under, so when he comes to Australia... Anyway, this first story, I've Googled it, I've... Um, Fact-checked, it is absolutely 100% correct. So, anyway, the 1930s, these bunch of scientists, Jules, they found, uh, like, a prehistoric ant. Like, an ant over in WA that is just ridiculously old. What's it called? Uh, Don't make me say it. it. Anyway, it's nicknamed the dinosaur ant. That's how old it is. Oh, okay, yeah. And (laughs) I think it could be one of the earliest true ants, like which could be up to 100 million years old.
1: As in, like, the first, like, before they evolved into the current black, ants. Yeah, it was, like, the yeah. actual So one of the ancestor, original ants. So the ancestors of the ants. Okay, that's pretty awesome.
0: Anyway, so these scientists came across this ant, uh, which and they were absolutely amazed. They didn't think it existed at all. And then they went back to this 1931. They went back to try and find the ant, and they couldn't find it anywhere. So they gave up. They couldn't find this dinosaur ant. They found it once. It's this little yellow thing, by the way, with, like, some mean... Cloth Some mean-ass pincers. Google it. Uh, t- 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 50 years later, 1977, yep. these scientists in that's Australia... 40, that's about
1: 45 years later.
0: rounded up. They thought, <laughs> you know what, we're going to try and refine this ant. Okay. So they started driving, I think it was from Canberra, back to WA. They're like, we are going to find this prehistoric ant. But they came across a little problem. Their car... Yep. Broke down in this little town in South Australia. Oh, this 1, is thousand two hundred kilometres away from where the ant was sighted. So the car's broken down. One of the scientists was just walking around, and he, you know, found this mound. One thousand two hundred kilometres away from where the original sighting was. He's poking oh, a stick at this mound when all of a sudden this ant colony of these dinosaur ants just popped up out of nowhere. Oh. Now, Jules, I'm not, I'm not one to, you know, believe. In a higher being, Okay. but this this show suddenly is turned outrageous. very very political. <laughs> and I'm surprised I didn't know about it. That is that is ridiculous. That's that's
1: pretty incredible. That's, that's actually some, pretty awesome. That's
0: some freaky stuff. You're but on yeah, your way. You're on your way to find an ant, which only like one other person has ever seen. This
1: endangered species. Where your
0: car just breaks down in the middle of nowhere, a small town in South Australia called Pukara. Okay. Is it, a stick this, is those, this is
1: like one of those stories where you're just they're just kind of chilling around. They're just researching some stuff, and out of nowhere, they just find they're just like, oh! And this animal that was thought to be extinct for hundred years just rocked up. Like I actually read a story about that. I forgot what it was, but there was some animal that just popped up. After being extinct for about a hundred years,
0: I was just it's amazed. One of those reasons. stories. Anyway, chuck it to Google. There's an article on the Conversation.com from 2014 that's about this story. Fascinating. About this dinosaur ant. Look, that's just some freaky spiritual coincidence. It's too much of a coincidence. That I mean, is the this one of the few guys in the world who actually would like know know what that ant is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Car breaks down in the town and just finds, finds it. the ant. <laughs> That's some freaky That's stuff. Incredible. Jules, what else? Sean. Uh, let's go to some more recent stuff.
1: Some more... Some more... This is some more crazy-ass stories, dude, because this got? stuff is nuts. Again, so, Sean, you're a bit of a gamer, aren't you? No. Oh, you aren't? <laughs> I knew that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a gamer, but never ta- play, talk ne- to me.
1: Have you ever played World of Warcraft?
0: I can proudly say that I've never played World of Warcraft.
1: Yeah, me neither. <laughs> 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 but did you know that if you bought... $20 worth of World of Warcraft coins, you would have more than the equivalent. You'd have like more than the equivalent of one USD than if you. Okay, hang on, let me start again. <laughs> if you had. Okay, just, I'm just going to say it straight up. The Venezuela Bolivar is worth less money, like less in terms of conversion to one US yeah, dollar yeah. than one WoW token. Like one World of Warcraft dollar. So one World of Warcraft dollar is converted
0: (laughs) converted to U.S. dollars is worth more than the uh, currency in Venezuela. That is absolutely outrageous.
1: That is 100% true. So recently, right? So this is how it goes. The black market value. So it sounds really dubious, but this is actually the most common way to exchange money in Venezuela because no local likes doing it directly. Because I don't know why, because the normal way to do it is a 10 bolivar to one U.S. dollar. So I don't know. I couldn't really... I couldn't find why locals avoid that, but whatever. <clears throat> Up to them, I guess. But so this is, doing it through the black market is very common. So that right now is 12,197 Venezuela Bolivar to one USD. And that's fallen from only a couple of weeks ago. It used to be eight thousand nine hundred, 8,493 Bolivar to one USD. So it's really fallen. In comparison, WoW tokens can be bought with either $20 real world cash or sold for sort of like a fluctuating amount of in-game gold. So that works out to about 6,000 gold pieces per dollar. So literally, a WoW coin is worth double, a uh, like, one US dollar than Venezuela bolivar.
0: That is outrageous. Look, when you told me this, I thought, that can't be true. But but it is true. It is. And it got me thinking, what are some of the weaker currencies going around? And look, we, we looked it up. And we're going to work in Aussie dollars now. We're, uh, let's get it off the US dollars. We're not in America. Yeah. Aussie dollars. This stuff is nuts. Here's a few stats. Absolutely true. As of today, according to the Google currency converter, the one Australian dollar.
1: Google currency converter.
0: One Australian dollar is worth seven thousand one hundred twenty-nine Guinean franc. Jeez, that's actually nuts. all these uh, all these countries are Asian countries. One Good travel a-
1: destination, guys. Note <laughs> it down. Go there for nice a cheap holiday. Cheap.
0: One Australian dollar is worth ten thousand five hundred sixty-two Indonesian oh, rupiah. That's awesome. And the absolute top, the top of the the cream of the crop. One Australian dollar will get you over 18,000 Vietnamese dong.
1: That is absolutely ridiculous. I, mean, I know so many of my friends who have been in Vietnam right now, so I'm sure they're absolutely enjoying those fruits.
0: I mean, I saw stories of a currency in Zimbabwe before they... they Zimbabwe is oh, a bit of a weird... took
1: about the one where they had a $10 trillion note.
0: $10 trillion <laughs> note. Apparently, people were walking around with backpacks of notes just so they could go and buy a carton of milk.
1: I a mean, $10 trillion notes for a carton of milk?
0: I mean, really? Actually... That's, I'm just giving an example, oh God, like people walking nuts. around. Trillions I, of dollars. I've read stories on
1: Zimbabwe, and they they just had huge inflations I mean, now their dollars obsolete now because they've transferred to a, a USD because you know they had such, they had like what's called hyperinflation. Just ridiculous <laughs> economics. Speaking of cartons of milk, quick side note: I went into a, the bathroom at Eastland today, Sean, and there was just <laughs> there was just a carton of milk
0: <laughs> <laughs> sitting what, just, on the sink. <laughs> Just an empty carton of milk. An empty carton of
1: milk. So as per your analogy in the first show, look at our podcast if you haven't heard the hilarious analogy. <laughs> that we're going to crack open that carton of milk for the third story today. What Sean, do
0: you,
1: you are an avid fan of pigeon racing, are you not?
0: I love pigeon <laughs> racing. <laughs> nah, Jules, pigeon racing, is that even a thing? It's a thing.
1: It's actually this really popular pastime in India and Indonesia, but in Indonesia... Is this massive gambling problem to do with pigeon racing, which has led to a massive increase in divorce um, registration? <laughs> so, uh, in July, the like the central, uh, the prov- the religious court in the central Java province of Indonesia received ninety petitions for divorce, which is an increase from June, which had thirteen uh, petitions, and many of. The individuals who are applying for divorce are women, stating economic reasons because their husbands are spending too much money on the pigeon racing.
0: Now, pigeon racing. Now, this is not the only bird-related hobby that I've heard in Asia. Mm. It's actually quite a big thing. Uh, Mongolia have these eagle hunters. I'm not sure if you've heard about them, but it's actually a serious problem. They're actually endangered. Not not the eagles, the people, <laughs> the eagle hunters. So the people that train. as in their culture,
1: not the people themselves. Nah, like the, the culture. culture of
0: these eagle hunters. People who literally they're like one with the eagle. They are like
1: that's so cool. I would love to just be able to go like and just have this eagle, like massive eagle, just fly down and just chill with me. I
0: mean, this was a huge thing uh, hundreds of years ago. Now there's only apparently according to the ABC. There's only 60 eagle hunters left. That's
1: incredible. 20 years left for their culture, they believe. 20 years and their culture might be completely gone.
0: Spread the word. Keep the bird-related hobbies going. Hashtag hashtag
1: bird (laughs) hobbies. Make a trend, everyone.
0: If you know an amazing young person who deserves to be in the spotlight, chuck us a message on Facebook by searching front and centre. Our very special guest, Nick Pierce from Homey. Welcome, Nick. Hey, boys. How
2: are you? Thanks for having us. Thanks Thanks.
0: for
1: coming, Nick. Now, Nick i got to just quickly introduce some of your achievements because you're one of three founders along with Robbie and Marcus for this incredible social enterprise that's, you know, you've trained up and employed a number of youth, you've given 434 homeless a chance to experience free shopping, you've given over 3,000 items of clothing and essential items, and you yourself just recently won the 2017 Young Achievers Leadership Award mate, you've done
2: great things. Oh, a bit of luck in there, mate, I think. So, uh <laughs> No look it's um it's been a bit of a uh, bit of time since we started and um yeah we've been been able to, you know, achieve some some pretty cool uh, stuff and uh, we're still going and obviously got a lot more to achieve. But um, yeah, I guess it's uh, it's nice to sort of hear someone else talk about, you know, the, the work that you do and um, sometimes, <laughs> you really, around you. <laughs> yeah. sometimes you don't really, you know, take it in, I guess. You sort of just, it's every day, is a new day and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's nice to reflect on these things. So cheers for uh, bringing that
0: up. So, uh, Homie, that's your that's your company, your, your, that's, that's, what your, that's your social enterprise that you started. That's let's that. just, let's take it, let's go to basics. What, what exactly is Homie?
2: Yeah, cool. Well, you as you articulated it perfectly, we are a social enterprise, and um, I guess we're in a restaurant, we're a clothing store and brand, and we provide brand new clothing, training, and, and job opportunities to people experiencing homelessness. So um, our shop is based uh, in Brunswick Street, Fitzroy, so not too far from the CBD, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool operation. You know, we more so than just. Um, the I guess selling the streetwear clothing we have two really um, fantastic projects that we run our vrp day programs which you touched on and and our pathway project our training and employment opportunity for, for young people experiencing homeless hardship and you know we sort of um, sometimes host our own events and I guess the basic idea around homie is to try and make caring cool and make it meaningful so um that's uh yeah I guess the premise of our organization
0: yeah, cool. Make caring
2: cool. I like that a lot. That's right awesome. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cheers, guys. Yeah, no, it's something we yeah. sort of just, I guess, and that came from also, um, you know, thinking, like, what would our mates want to support, you know? Like, um, I guess, given that we sort of 20-somethings and play a bit of footy and, you know, have a have a nice uh, social drink on the weekend and all the rest, mm. how do we get our friends to, to buy into something and, and, and care about something that sometimes might be a bit distant for them? So um, that was also one of the sort of driving factors. Yeah, do I mean, you think that, sorry, Sean, do you uh,
1: think that it's sort of a, like a, Uncool thing, like to help the homeless, to help the people who less fortunate. Oh,
2: it's a good question. I think we could obviously do a lot more of it. Um, I think there are far more innovative ways um, nowadays, and we're sort of seeking more than just putting our our um, our coins in a rattling tin jar and all the rest, and and, and demanding to see more in terms of the impact of where our money is going and and our support. So um, I don't know if it's uncool. I mean, I think it's just sort of like just trying to make it more engaging Mm. um, as opposed to the traditional means of giving. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, Now, what? What, what what kind of started Or all? I mean, there's three of you, as we mentioned, Marcus and Robbie. How did you guys, you know, did someone bring the idea to the group or was it a collective thing you'd been you know, thinking over for a few years? Yeah. And then I guess also from that, how did you go, all right, let's make a clothing brand of yeah, all things. Yeah, cool.
2: That's a good question. It certainly uh, didn't happen overnight, obviously. Um, so I went to school with Robbie, who was a few years older than me, um, and I knew him through that. Um, but with Marcus, I met him in about in 2013, I think. We did a fundraising bike ride from uh, Vietnam to Cambodia for anti-child trafficking, and um, cool. that sort of, I guess, um, was our first taste of, of, of charitable um, endeavours and doing good. And and I guess at the same token, um, for us, what we really liked about that was we were raising money um, and um, awareness for a really specific project. It was a very remote school um, and um, we, we were able to sort of um, hand over face to face, you know, the goods that we had been able to fund um, for them. So we really like that transparency and tangibility of um, that that endeavor. And then coming home, um, Marcus. Um, Oh, I was actually studying at RMIT and Marcus was working at General Pants in the City and a photographer and all the rest um, and we got curious about the issue of homelessness and wanted to know why there were so many people that were living rough on the streets and how they came to be in that position. And Anyway, I guess um, everything else is a ripple effect from that. We obviously started this, this Facebook page, Homelessness in Melbourne, which um, was really trying to, I guess, just dispel those preconceived notions towards homelessness initially because um, we found that when we were talking to these people that were living rough that the stereotype of them being a dry day or an alcoholic really didn't match the person that we were speaking with. So um, it was sort of through that that we got really, I guess, um, motivated to do something about it. Um, and obviously, those interviews um, we started putting online, obviously, with the consent of the people that we were chatting with. And then we had, I guess, a um, request from our community, like, what more can we do? How can we help? Um, and we saw an initiative that started in South Africa called The Street Store. And it was sort of a cardboard thrift shop, dignified shopping experience, if you will. Um, and we hosted Australia's first one in Fed Square in, uh, oh, jeez, I, I think it was into end of 2014, December 20th, 2014. Oh, cool. it has been going on for a while. Yeah, well, that was when the, like our first sort of clothing um, shop sort of, sort of type thing came to fruition. But that was really actually um, a way of getting our supporters to, to give back um, and, and do it meaningfully. So we asked them to bring along either brand-new clothing or good-quality clothing they were willing to part with. Um, and then we invited people experiencing homelessness to the community to come along, and we had free food there and music and barber cuts, and they were able to choose clothing at their own discretion. Um, so that was the starting of, I guess, the... Um, the movement, if you will, and that was the next step from the Facebook page. And, and then from that, um, good question around how do you start a, a clothing label? We wanted to sort of emulate that dignified shopping experience that we created in Fed Square, but do it better. Um, and it came from. Um, a crowdfunding campaign, obviously with crowdfunding these days, you know, you have to offer rewards, sorry, to um, people when they support your concept, if you will. So we had our, our idea out there, the the, the homie street store. It was a loose version of what it is now. Um, and one of the rewards was um, our monogram from our Homelessness in Melbourne Facebook page being printed on T-shirts. And then that's how the label was born. And <laughs> obviously now it's um, yeah, it's a lot different. We have a whole clothing line and all the rest. We, we used to have other brands in our store. So um, it's, uh, it's changed a lot. We've, we've come a fair way.
0: Now, who designs the clothing? Now, are you guys still yeah, behind that? I or? can't
2: take credit for that. That's um, <laughs> that's mostly Marcus. Uh, he's sort of the creative guy, and um, and Robbie actually works as he's a doctor now, so he's um, on our board of directors and all the rest. But um, he works at the Afford, so <laughs> he's a bit of an overachiever. But uh, <laughs> sounds um, like you all are. A bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. We all just do our you know respective things. And anyway, we uh, yeah with the clothing now, we also do some artist collaborations. So we have some local um, guys and girls um, who have a bit of sort of Insta popularity, if you will, or there might. Be lesser known and we sort of try and profile some of their work into a collab piece and that's usually sort of limited runs so the bulk of our designs are done through Marcus but we have these artist series that we release um, quarterly so they're pretty cool so keep an eye out for them
0: and so what's your role on the team
2: my role oh geez I don't know maybe a little bit of a jack of all trades I sort of try <laughs> and keep the wheels in motion and the troops in check and um, I don't know you know I, I guess loosely it would probably be like a CEO sort of type role but that's a very different keep, thing, everyone, you know? keep everyone in line yeah, like, yeah. Nah, well, and myself you know but, yeah. um, fix the
0: problems yeah well that's
2: right I mean, there are so many things, and I, and I guess no two days are the same. And mm. the uh, the age-old ish, you know, issue is that there's always uh, not enough time and too many things to do. But you just got to try and prioritise. But um, I love it. You know, it's just working with people, uh, making new um, relationships with, with partners that we can support and in turn them supporting us. So it's really good fun. Awesome. So, like, what are the what are the jobs and the pathways that you provide for the
1: homeless people that sort of approach you with the in these projects?
2: Yeah. So, right now, the the, the main um, project that we've been working on is the pathway uh, project, and that's working with three young people who are experiencing secondary homelessness um, and have endured their fair share of hardship. That are part of a foyer program, and we collaborate with that service. Um, and those young people are also supported by an organisation called Ladder, set up by the AFL Players Association. Um, and actually, I think it's twenty five bucks from every player's match payment in the AFL goes to Supporting ladder, but we provide a really comprehensive approach to this, these young people's um, well-being and an opportunity. So they actually um, gain six months of employment with us. Um, we have an RTO delivering a cert three in retail operations to them as well, um, and they're remunerated as uh, as according to the you know the Fair Work Ombudsman. It's, it's pretty good rates these days. Casual uh, yeah. uh, work rates are pretty bloody good. So. Um, that's not a swear but I hope that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Um, yeah. I'm a as well, so I definitely agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. And then after that, we actually have a partnership with uh, Cotton On, who um, then oh. in turn employ our trainees upon successful completion. So I guess that's one um, employment opportunity that we provide, and that's all we can do at this point in time. We work with three young people per six months. But our idea is to try and support as many young people as possible um, into finding what they're calling, what their passion is. They might want to be a radio host. Who knows? It's um, trying to try simulate those sort of relationships. But at the moment, we're purely with that retail space, given that we have the short and we have the the tools and we have the um, the resources but the idea is to expand it out um, beyond and provide as many supported opportunities as possible
0: yeah fantastic and how does
2: it work
1: um with the like the donating to the clothes like do you sort of like how events where you just sort of gift them to people and stuff
2: yeah so that comes through our VIP shopping experience is the way we're able to distribute the clothing but it's um it's brand new clothing so obviously both of our projects are supported through um purchases in store and online so when you purchase something from us um the net proceeds go towards our two social projects the vrp day and the, and the pathway Project. the vrp day um we obviously offer homey clothing and the customers come in um, the customers I say the young, people who are experiencing homelessness that come through a service usually have between 20 and 30 and it's once a month and they can choose up to five items at their own discretion so it's pretty cool like I, I guess it's you know it's it really like somewhat of a community store because you know the purchases enable those things to happen um, and one of the benefits and, and, the, and the beauty of, of homing is that that tangibility and transparency coming into the store and shopping sometimes you'll be served by someone who's directly benefiting from your purchase not only through the, the funds but also the um, the experience a customer learning that you're giving them that actual interaction, that face-to-face contact. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's small scale, but I think it's really meaningful and we're just trying to do our little bit. Yeah,
0: awesome. Sounds like you're doing more than just a bit. Hey, Julesa, are you ready to inspire a whole nation of young people?
1: Let's do it. You're listening to Front and Centre on Sid Nation with Sean and Julesa. Welcome back to Front and Center. My name is Jules. I am with my good friend, Sean. And we're with our incredible guest, Nick Pierce, one of the co-founders of Homie. How you doing, Nick? Mate, going well. Too calm with those words. Yeah, having a good time, (laughs)
0: aren't you? It's awesome. I've got to ask, how how often do your mates greet you with like, hey, Homie?
2: Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Good question. You know what? It's actually my my direct friends... uh, not that often, as much as I like them too. But um, <laughs> a lot of sometimes people we work with or whatnot. I go, hey homie, or someone on the street, like is um, wearing the same thing or whatever. And so um, yeah, no, I guess that, that term sort of, I guess for us was. Playing on that notion around um, that that culture of looking out for one another, and we were sort of thinking like a homie, like redefining it in the sense that it's all about looking out for one another and stuff like that. So we say a homie is a person who looks out for others. But coincidentally, it also stood for early days uh, homelessness in Mel- of Melbourne uh, Incorporated Enterprise. So it was a nice oh. acronym there oh. for you. There but, we uh, go. I like it a <laughs> lot. Yeah.
1: Do you when you're walking down the street in Melbourne and you just see someone wearing something homie, do you give yourself a little bit of a fist pump? Yeah. Just like, oh, do you want to run up to them just give them a high five? It's <laughs> pretty
2: cool. Like I want to sort of chat to them and find out how they heard about it, that kind of stuff just awkward to be like oh yeah. yeah like you know i work there or whatever and all that stuff yeah but, <laughs> but it think, what it's like it's really awesome doing. man to be honest to see people wearing it like it's just a cool seeing. like you do sort of pinch yourself a little bit yeah
1: oh awesome <laughs> and then one day you'll get someone being like i, I just thought it looked cool like uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be good wouldn't it yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome now part of your i guess model business model is that you run these vip days uh where you basically invite people who are experiencing homelessness. Into the shop. Tell us a bit about how that works. Yeah,
2: yeah. So we've had over twenty uh, now, and um, since we started, and we do one one per month, and we invite a homelessness service to come in. So sometimes that might be younger clientele, older clientele. We've had you know um, young people from the Melbourne City Mission come in before. We've had the Big Issue vendors come in. Um, so we've always had pretty eclectic mixes of people. And what we do is try and cater that. Uh, shopping experience uh, to those people to provide them with some, some dignity um, and some friendly conversations um, and just a good time in general because I guess sometimes um, people who are experiencing homelessness or who might have that appearance of being disheveled or whatnot uh, are often sort of turned away from you know, um, a shopping centre or a store because of their appearance or, or whatnot. So we, I guess we flip flipped that, that notion of a VIP um, on its head. And our VIP customers, I guess, more so the people who are the have-nots and the haves. Um, and we close off the store once a month, um, and we have, yeah, it's it's a really good time. So the, so the clients come in and they're um, able to receive um, and and choose it with their own discretion. Five items of brand new clothing. We have barbers there. Um, We have nail technicians. um, Sometimes we have makeup artists, and have food um, and coffee, and just good chats and and, and whatnot. But it's really just a you know a bit of a confidence booster. Obviously, it's not going to you know change someone's life, um, but you know it might make their day a bit better. It might encourage them to feel confident enough to go and you know maybe have a job interview because they have some clothes they want to feel comfortable in. We've even heard that um, it's been the difference between some young people engaging back in school um, and and whatnot because the fact that they feel more confident. You know, and those are those intangible things you don't really think about. You just go, well, it's it's clothing but there's so much more purpose to it. You know, a lot of the time what we wear is a representation of ourselves. So uh, it's really cool to see people be able to choose things that they actually want and then wear them with pride. That's incredible.
1: That, that's the kind of effect that you have on people. That must make you feel like you're really doing well.
2: Oh well, it is. Sometimes it's really hard to sort of fathom, I guess, because you just once, as I said, it's the daily grind. You know, you just see it as work, and um, but it is really cool to to hear those sort of things. Like you just, I guess, you don't, you know, never underestimate the impact that you know just a kind gesture can have on someone.
1: Yeah. Now you said that you have like barbers and nail technicians and stuff like that. Like, how does how did that part come into it? Because you went from clothes to more like. Fashion and stuff like that, like, I guess a different yeah. kind of fashion. So, how did that sort of come I into it? Sort
2: of adding a bit of a pampering experience to it, other than the clothing, you know. So, a haircut, like, you know, a new haircut on someone who's had their hair in their face and all the rest. And um, it, it's just incredible to see those transformations and what someone looks like without that beard, and, and also how people respond to them, you know, when they have that appearance changed. Um, so, on that day, yeah, it's just been um, about providing just more and more offerings and rather than just the clothing that they can they can walk out and feel, you know, new and fresh with a clean shave or, you know, a nice blow wave and you know, hair or whatever. So it's really just to sort of add that that experience. Uh, and those people who support us through doing those things um, are voluntary, which is awesome. So, you know, local barbers, hairdressers, come into the Soil Nail Technicians um, and give their time on their day off uh, to, to run that. So it's really cool.
0: Awesome. Now, I've got to ask you always use this phrase experiencing homelessness yeah so how did that kind of come about what was the you know the thinking behind that
2: yeah I'm really glad you guys picked up on that and it's something I'm very big on advocating for not only do we try and I guess um, do that direct impact but it's also about raising awareness and uh, and we came to find that as I was touching on previously that the people we were talking to weren't homeless people they were people who were experiencing homelessness because we, we believe it that it's a situation or a circumstance that someone can get out of if they're afforded the right level of support um and and opportunities so um yeah it was just one of those things I just sort of thought it was really um yeah I guess unwarranted sometimes the stigma that comes with being called a homeless person because people make that assumption that oh yeah they must do drugs or it's their own fault or they're an alcoholic or whatnot and it just wasn't the case with the conversations we were having so um I guess turning into um someone who's experiencing homelessness uh, it really empowers and, and it sort of also um Informs people that it's an experience, um, and someone can can get out of it. So I guess it requires a number of things for someone to get out of homelessness. But you know, one being that personal determination. But um, it's just sort of being treated like other you know, people want to be treated. So ensuring that they have, um, I guess, a really robust level of care. They're having their social, emotional, financial needs tended to, like we all try and do. So um, yeah, we just sort of came to, to realize that these are just people. Yeah, and
1: i just going to ask, maybe, maybe it's a bit of a weird question, I guess, but you just said about experiencing homelessness is this massive stigma mm. behind the fact that it's about drugs, about alcohol and stuff. And here on, on the show, and I guess as a network, as, as a whole, they kind of want to dispel um, stereotypes like that. So would you mind, I guess, telling us... Story or something like that, where, or maybe giving some examples where that it's not about alcohol or drugs or something like that. Like, yeah, you know of course. I mean?
2: Well, I mean, I think um, even thinking about people that do engage in that, I mean, there's there's it's absolutely um, true that there are some people who are experiencing homelessness that do you know engage in recreational drug use or might be an addict or um, or you know also um, you know hit the hit the bottle pretty hard. Um, but there's obviously a reason behind that. You know, no one does that just for the sake of doing it. And and you, and I think um, through some. The conversations we've had with people that a lot of the time, you know, mental health and illness is a really strong um, part in a lot of people's situations of experiencing homelessness. So a lot of the time, it's actually to alleviate, you know, something that they're going through. It might be uh, an, an issue they're facing and, and that might numb that pain or that anxiety that they're feeling for a certain period of time. There's a lot of judgment out in the streets, people walking past and, you know, I, I guess it's a very uncomfortable f- um, thought and f- feeling. So, um, you know, Marcus and I actually decided to see what it was like ourselves and went and spent two nights on the street with about five bucks, lived off Macca's coats. Yeah. But it was really interesting, you know, like it, it certainly, you know, changed our uh, perceptions because we were um, being looked down upon and um, heard people making remarks and all this kind of stuff. And it was just so interesting going on the other, other side of things. And one of the things that we found um, from that was that it's a really boring existence it's the same day over and over again and that's what we've heard from people who have been living rough before um and and yeah like it's it's I, I can understand why someone might you know have a bottle of wine or you know a long neck to to make that day a little bit quicker or make that anxiety a little bit easier because you did feel really vulnerable with people walking past and and staring at you and, and, and pointing their fingers but i guess on the, on, um, on the flip side of that yeah there, absolutely there are there are people who aren't um, engaging in that kind of behavior as well mm. At the same token there are people who are engaging in drugs and alcohol who um who aren't experiencing homelessness so um sure. it's it's important that we consider uh, all, all all aspects of it, but you know a lot of the people that we work with. Um yeah, we've had some really interesting stories around how they've come to be in that situation. They've experienced domestic violence, you know, haven't touched a drug in their life or, you know, had a, a drop of alcohol in their life. But they've come to find themselves in that situation um, through no fault of their own. The first guy we ever spoke to um, actually went to my school and, and I went to – that was really sort of confronting. I went to, a, you know, a private boys' school in Melbourne and, and we were afforded a lot of opportunities. But this guy went to the exact same school as me, you know, had a really loving and supporting family. But he was suffering from a mental illness that he wasn't um, – I guess, looking after himself uh, to the best of his ability. And, um, and unfortunately, yeah, he ended up passing away last year. So it was just really interesting. Wow. It was confronting as. Yeah.
0: Now, social enterprises, there seem to be, there's a lot more now than there used to be. You've gone through it. You've gone through the you know the planning process and all of that. This what is kind of on we, a
1: very different note to what we just asked. You. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. cool. yeah, cool. Different
0: you know, tempos,
2: like the songs I chose.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess, what are your tips for young people who they might have an idea, you know, they're not really sure how to go about it, where, where, where would they start? Yeah,
2: yeah, it's a really good question and, and to be perfectly honest, you know, it's one of those things that um, I didn't know a whole lot about until we jumped into it you know, we jumped in the deep end and I don't want to use cliches, I get in trouble for using them with my girlfriend a lot so <laughs> I've got to steer away from them but I, I guess um, one thing that I found I was at school and at uni, we were having guest speakers come in from these amazing organisations doing these incredible things and um, I was sort of wondering how did they come to, to, to be able to do that and, and the early years there's no secret you know, there's no sort of book you can go and read that will tell you how to do it um, because the reality is it's just hard work. It really is. It's passion and hard work and logic at times. I think you need to have a lot of that um, and you didn't have that common sense approach to actually, you know, create a viable business for, for a social enterprise. But um, there wasn't any sort of, yeah, I guess hidden sort of secrets around this is what you need to do to be successful. It was really just hard yakka, you know, and it was, a, it was constantly refining our idea. But we had the passion. We, we just got a community around us that supported us um, and we just used that momentum and rode the wave and you know here we are so i guess i always say that this there's no secret at all to it and it's just about really having a crack so i hope that's not too romantic <laughs> advice but it yeah. really is the reality that's true that's, that's what real advice
1: and that leads to real success so no shame in that absolutely
0: absolutely fantastic i mean for a 24 year old you and your mates at home here are doing an absolutely fantastic oh, job incredible i, I mean I wish I, when I'm 24, in a few years, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm hopefully doing something, you know, that good. So Half
1: as good as that. No, yeah. I'm sure you guys will be. Yeah, oh, oh, Nick, you kind.
0: Need a bit more of Jules and Sean in your life during the week? I think we all do. Search us on Facebook, Front and Centre. Or on Twitter at FrontCentreSYN. I'm Sean. I'm with my mate Jules. We are Front and Centre on Sin Nation on your digital radios. We're joined by Nick Pearce from Homie. We've had a great chat with him. It's, very good chat. It's been been some pretty serious chat, though, Jules. Uh, it has been
1: a very serious chat, if, Sean.
0: If you've missed it, Nick, is a he runs a social enterprise with a couple of his mates. It'll be up on our podcast if you want to catch up. We're going to lighten things up now, Nick, if that's all right with you.
1: Absolutely, mate. Happy days. <laughs> We're going to get to my personal favourite part of the show... Welcome, Nick, to the quick fire round.
2: Oh, looking forward to it, mate. Yeah, the emailing these ones over. So <laughs> one, of our
1: said, one of our listeners said to me, it's not very quickfire, Jules. And I'm just like, look, it's quickfire enough, okay? <laughs>
2: uh, Short shout.
1: So I'm just going to ask you a bunch of random funny questions and you just answer them. Have a good time. Always have a good laugh. You got you know? it. Awesome. All right. Let's get started. Sean, would you like to start off? Ask the first question.
0: What is one social rule or norm that just completely baffles you?
2: Yeah, I was just thinking about this like in an office space and all the rest you know when people sneeze obviously people say bless you and that's obviously like bless is quite a religious term and the society yeah. nowadays we have yeah. various religions and the fact that we say bless you still and adhere to that and there are atheists in the room you know I don't know if there are or not but it's just really interesting uh, the fact that we still say bless you and feel obliged to do that every single time that's <laughs> such a good answer I was <laughs> expecting something like I don't know just something like real political or something <laughs> like something like that but yeah like bless you that's such was, a oh, good that point weird. Yeah, it is it was weird. really really weird the fact that we always acknowledge that yeah it's it's never like I've like never habit. thought of that. It's
0: yeah. just like a habit. Someone sneezes, oh, bless you. Yeah. It's on our languages too. You know, It's just such a weird thing. But <laughs> it, yeah. is, it
1: is. I coughed the other day and my friend said Robert Tyson.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very good. Actually, uh, I like that.
0: <laughs> my girlfriend always says, bless you, after I cough. And I'm saying what are you doing you I only say it after you sneeze Snooze. what do you reckon is can you say it after you no, cough that no, makes just, no sense It's just a sneeze isn't it It's
1: like Millhouse says like when you sneeze it's just soul kind of trying to get out and when you say bless you it crams it back that in you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah let's <that's> go <job>. Yeah <laughs> All right. right question 2 This is this is this is one that always stumps me Which do you prefer the beach or the mountains mm, That's
2: such a good question like different times of year hey like yeah. I um, I'd have to say I think the beach like you know I I'm not a salty dog, like I wish I was a surfer, all that kind of stuff, <laughs> yeah. but um, I do salty enjoy dog, some, like some, <laughs> some positive race. Uh, yeah. Although the mountains are very nice as well, I must admit I was just up in, uh, in the country this weekend, had a great old time on a, on a farm and uh, it was really beautiful. That country, yeah, there's something about it. Oh, lovely. Whereabouts? Uh, it's Leon Gatha, so oh, it's nice. in the Inverloch way. Yeah, yeah. it's really, really beautiful. cool.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, the beach is nice. I guess during winter you can go for a walk, during summer you can go for a swim. Go for a walk in the mountains, Unless you're a real outdoors type. It's a bit,
2: a, bit hell, a bit kind of like hell, isn't it, when you're Absolutely. 40 degrees and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm creature comfort as well. Like I prefer to probably go to the beach, go home, have a shower and all the rest, and then be rough in it. So,
0: yeah, uh... true. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. If you could change your name, Nick... You got a lovely name. I'm not saying you should change oh, your name, but I if you were going to change, your suck name, up some more, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> what would you change it to?
2: Well, you know, topical once again. I'm actually thinking have to go with Dusty, Dusty Martin. Dusty <laughs> Martin. I'm a Tigers fan, and I just think, you know <laughs> <laughs> that'd be pretty cool. He win the he win the, uh, he win the um, Brownlow, probably the Norman uh, and the Premiership medal. So, Nick, uh, Nick, to pay to him.
1: Can we have this on air? Let's have a, an on air contract. If he wins the Brownlow, you will change your name.
2: <laughs> <to> <laughs> oh, <Dusty>. oh <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. Look, I've done some silly things in my time on bets. So. I'll, I'll, I'll Better not for now. I'd be most likely to use Dusty Erick in here. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um,
1: if I I, I typed Desert Island, but it should be de- oh, Desert be nice. Island. I need a spoon. And, yeah.
2: Uh... Yeah. If you bring three items to a desert island, what would you bring? Oh, I actually haven't thought about this one properly. So, um, really good question. See what my favourite. My favorite beer is uh, Carlton Drafts. I love Carlton Drafts on tap. So if there was a beer tap there that just had crisp Carlton Drafts, I'd be pretty happy, I reckon. Uh, what else would I like in a desert island? I'm by myself, am I? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Love hammocks. And I've got the water there as oh, well. Oh, yes. So I'm a bit of a... My mates always laugh. They say, you know, you love a good nap. So uh, probably have a hammock going as well. Um, and finally, what else did I need? Oh, geez, that's such a good question. Oh, it's, always, it's always a stumper, um, isn't it? Um, 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 um. You're
0: not going to go for something practical like an unlimited supply of water or... Uh, just... or a boat.
2: That's I don't, I don't need water, do I've got the calentary So uh, yeah. <laughs> I, should, um, I said to Sean before,
1: I said, um, what three items would you bring on a desert island? A boat and two oars.
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> no, not bad. And maybe a share and just kick it on the beach. Why not? Oh, yeah, I like it. I like good. it. Yeah, yeah, true, true.
0: What's the worst present you've ever received? Oh, sorry, uh, Grandma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah, no. I actually, uh, myself, I reckon I've been pretty good with my presents in my time, but I have a good story about my little brother, actually. Uh, my grandma once, uh, she started to unfortunately deteriorate a bit through um, dementia, but um, she bought my little brother a, a Betty Spaghetti uh, set um, for his birthday. So that was quite interesting. Was instead of obviously a toy for, for, for women. So uh, we had a good <laughs> chuckle about that. So I never forgotten the Betty Spaghetti story. That's gross. <laughs> All right, last question.
1: Would you rather visit Earth 100 years in the future or 100 years in the past, Westworld
2: style? Oh, yeah, 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 cool. Um, have to say the future, I think, because that would just be exciting, isn't it? Like, we know what's happened in the past already. Like, I mean, ah. obviously, it'd be a different thing to be there, but we have, obviously, records and all the rest, and who knows what'll be happening in 100 years' time. Yeah, I guess it'd be a lot better because then if you're 100 years
1: in the past, very likely you'll just die of some random disease. Oh, that's yeah. right. that's right. <laughs> was there any
2: World Wars going on back then? What was that? What was special War, 19... Yeah, 14, 19... Just after. Yeah, so right in the middle of the Great bad. Depression. I might, been, I might have been conscripted and then I'd be dead, so... <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. very morbid, sorry. <laughs> oh, wait,
0: why wait, when I say Great Depression? It was during the war. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Right. That's very true, actually, yeah. Jules, uh, I'm sorry, but your quickfire round is done for another know, week. Another
1: <laughs> week. God, that's the saddest part of the week when the quick
0: Nick, what's on for the rest of the year for Homie? What have you got planned? And not just next year. What you know, you got some future plans. What do you what do you want to do with Homie? How yeah, far can it go?
2: Yeah, I guess with Homie, like we've always been very committed to doing um, doing it right. You know, doing and it's it is small scale at the moment, but we're really committed to making sure that we work with um, one person at a time on a case by case basis. And you know, as I said, helping them find their passion and executing that and being a support mechanism for them. So we don't have aspirations to you know be one of the world's largest retailers or something like that. It just wouldn't make sense. It's about doing stuff really meaningfully. Comes back to that school we visited in in cambodia you know that transparency and that tangibility is just so important so we're really about that but we love i guess hosting events we have one at section eight on saturday that was really awesome it was hosted for us it's amazing to the street party um and we have a lot of them through summer so our summer series parties are pretty cool we had a laneway last year that was it was pretty awesome so um get yourselves along to that it'd be great
0: and people can find out about that on your social online on our social media
2: yeah. absolutely yep
0: awesome well thank you so much nick for joining us uh, hope thanks you boys it was it. a
2: pleasure i really enjoyed it thank you
1: so much you're listening to front and center with sean and jules on in nation
0: how good was that chat with nick pierce oh my God. That was a,
1: another i mean i don't mean to two our own but another great show here at front and center <laughs> i mean that was an awesome chat i love how i love it when we can get deep with our guests um we just provide just yeah it, it, it just it, it's great it's great radio
0: <laughs> it was absolutely amazing to chat to him if you are just tuning in we had a conversation with Nick Pierce, one of the co-founders of Homey, a social enterprise aiming to alleviate and help people who are experiencing homelessness. So Check it out on our podcast. Hopefully, it'll be up tomorrow. I'm not going to make any promises. I got a busy day <laughs> tomorrow, Jules. <But laughs> Sean,
1: come on, lift your game.
0: I'm going to try. I'm going to try and get up for tomorrow.
1: I got to say, right? Um, we were just having a chat with Nick before he left the studio, uh, and he was saying that 105,000 people every day experience homelessness, and I really hope that we've all learned something today that, you know, it's one of those things, Just like using the term experiencing homelessness and just sort of looking at them with a different lens and really trying to uh, treat them as humans as they are. I mean, in my experience, one of my good friends, she always uh, would give homeless people um, their coins. And it's funny, actually, I'm reading American Psycho. It was a great book. And in it, there's a scene where Patrick Bateman, the main character, goes up to someone and gives them a dollar in their cup. And then you realize he put it in someone's coffee and it's just a hipster, just chilling. Well, like, oh, hipsters back in the 90s when the book was written. But it was just someone just chilling on the steps or uh, just chilling on the street, which I'm I, really funny. Quite relevant as well. Um, but the point is that my good friend, she would always give them, give people experiencing homelessness some spare change. And I'd always say, you know, why are you like why, like why? And then she'd say, like they're humans too. Uh, so I think that's all all we need to remember. We need to remember treat them like the people they are, and hopefully they'll be able to get out of those that the, that situation that they're in. Like Nick was saying, not always um, a conscious choice of theirs. Um,
0: so, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Just such an inspiring conversation to listen to how young Australians, young Melburnians, are really making a difference. So yeah, you know, I hope. We've inspired some people out there. I hope uh, you've enjoyed us putting Nick Pierce from Homie front and center.
1: It's been an amazing show. Next week we've got an awesome. If all goes according to plan, we've got an awesome young lady who's the who's works for Triple J. She's Runs her own blog. She does a music festival. She is a legend, so Just tune in next
0: week. She's killing it in the Aussie music scene, and she is super young. We're going to be having a chat to her next week. Remember to keep in touch on our Facebook page. Just chuck a search for Front and Centre. We're on Twitter as well, at FrontCentreSYN.
1: Guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. This is Shaun and are signing off. See you next week <laughs> on Sin Nation Front and Centre.
0: Thanks for tuning into Front and Centre with Sean and Joolza on our weekly podcast. What another great show. That was super fun. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 7pm on Sin Nation or on our podcast a few days later.
1: We will be interviewing more incredible young people and exploring more awesome unheard of news. So Sean, I'm pretty excited. We'll see you then.